Good evening. Hope everyone is doing well. Tonight we're going to be learning Maseches Yoma Daf Lamed Aleph, and we're starting about ten lines from the bottom of Lamed Amid Beis, starting at the words Ravina Amar. Yesterday we saw two brisos uh, that seem to have slightly different opinions about whether or not one is obligated to um, go to the mikvah as they enter into the azara before they enter into the azara. So here Ravina. Um, Ravina is going to offer his own answer as to how to explain this. Ravina Amar, Amar Rabbi Yehuda ledivrem derabbanon ka'amar lehu. In one brisa, Rabbi Yehuda is saying his own shita. But in another brisa, he's saying the shita that they should hold. In other words, it's two brisas, but one of them he's kind of saying, but you guys for sure hold this, right? So that's what the Gemara suggests here. Ledidi, mitzora ain't sarach tefillah. He says the mitzora, according to me, says Rabbi Yehuda, no need. But lididhu, according to you, and this is what's quoted in, in one of the Mari Mekomos in the Tanaim above. Oh, do the easy, you should at least admit to me, Mihas, however, to lo mitzorayin bilvadim elokol adam, that you should, you seem to say that everyone should go, not just the mitzor, but that everyone should go to the mikvah before they get there. Their Abanan, how would the rabbis respond to this? The rabbis would say, no, mitzora daish betuma. A mitzora, who knows anyways that they have a status of tuma, so they touch things that are tummy all the time. They're not careful about, about tuma. So this is from the language of mitzvot shanoshim dash ba'kevav that they're like, whatever they're like being flippant about tuma because they're tummy anyway. So once you're tummy, you're tummy. But kol adam lo tuma. So the rabbanon push back and they say we only obligate a mitzora to, to go to the mikvah, but not kol adam. So that's uh, how Ravina explains the Gemara. And now we're going to see a number of comments from Abaye to Rabbi Yosef. Abaye was a Talmud of Rabbi Yosef. We've seen this probably 40, 50 times in Shas. Rabbi Yosef was the one who lost his memory, and then he would say something, and Abaye says, but Rabbi At Amris, right, this famous dialogue. So this is the relationship that they have. Here we're not speaking about him being blind or, or having forgotten his memory, um, but, uh, about, uh, sorry, about forgetting his memory. But let's see what the Gemara has to say here either way. Six lines from the bottom, Laman Omid Beis. Maybe we should say that in, within this shita of Ravina, that this, I, this shita, the, ba, the Baal Plugta, who holds, uh, the Rabbanan who hold against Rabbi Yehuda, maybe they hold Ke Ben Zoma, that they hold that, like Ben Zoma, that the Mitzvah has to go to the Mikvah Midoraisa before they get to the Mikdash. So maybe they hold Ke Ben Zoma the Haidik Atani Mitzvah, and the fact that they're highlight that Rabbi Yehuda himself is speaking about a Mitzvah is that to show us that his Shita is, is very divergent and that it's not a Din Doraisa for the Mitzvah to go to the Mikvah. O Dilma, Abai says to his Rebbe, maybe that's really not the case. It's just that shiny Mitzvah is a Maybe the distinction that Ravina made was a correct distinction. That once a person's tummy, we assume that they're going to touch tuma, and therefore, because therefore the mitzora, therefore has to go to the mikvah, but everybody else doesn't. Amar Le, the Rebbe answers the Talmud of Yosef responds, shiny mitzora to daish with tuma. You cannot infer from here that the one who is arguing against Rabbi Yehuda holds like Ben Zoma that really going to the mikvah is a din So No, here we have a psychology, and the psychology is that once this person is already tummy, so therefore he's more likely to touch tuma. Next question between Abai and his Rebbe, Amar Le, Abai of Yosef. Tvila zo, this din of going to the mikvah before one enters into the Beit Hamikdash, top of Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph, chotzeit so eno chotzeit. Do we have the regular rules of the mikvah as to whether or not there is something separating the body from water? Yes or no. This is a very important question in Lamedus because what is implied from here, as Rashi highlights, is that in a case where we have a tvila that is derabanan, do we then have a concern of chatzitza? that your skin has to have access to the liquid. That's effectively what the Gemara is asking. It's asking it by specifically our case, but the extrapolation from here to other cases is simple. It seems to imply from here based on the question 
that there may be a chance that if going to the mikvah is there abundant in any particular circumstance, it may then be the case that um, we don't have to worry about chatzitza. So Amr the Gemara rejects this habamina. It's a strange habamina anyways, but the Gemara rejects this habamina and says a famous line in Shas, Amr Lei, when we made, when the Chachamim made Dinim de Rabbanon, they were mirrored after Dine de Oraisa. Ledugma, uh, Shabbos day, Kiddush is de Rabbanon. Friday night, Kiddush is de Oraisa. But the Postkim say, they highlight that the same way we treat Kiddush during the day is the same way we treat Kiddush at night because called the Tikkun Rabbanon came de Oraisa Tikkun. So here, even within the Sheet of Rabbi Yehuda, they're going to the mikvah prior to ent- entering the, the Mikdash space even though it's only Dirabanan, we don't change the rules. And yes, Chatzitza would apply because everything that was done Midirabanan called the Tikkun Rabbanan, Kein Do Raisa Tikkun. Two lines down. Another question of Abaye to his Rebbe, Amar Leah Abayler of Yosef, Bia Bimiksas Shmabia Olo. Let's say only part of a person's body is inside the Mikdash. Does he have to go to the Mikvah for that? So we've been in scenarios like this before where like, you're like in the middle of saying a bracha and you reach into the bathroom to turn off the light switch, right? So those kinds of scenarios, I, that happens to me all the time. And at least I try to pause and, and catch myself. But is it a halachic issue even? Forget about the fact that our bathrooms are different than other bathrooms because our toilets flush and there's nothing actually there. But here, let's, let's take it in the holy way. A person is walking by the base of Mikdash and they want to stick one arm in, through the threshold of one of the doors of the Mikdash from, Chol, from the Chulan area to the Kadosh area. So do we say... That bia b'mikdash shma bia, although that a partial entrance into the mikdash is that considered a bia? Is that considered an entrance or not? It says the Gemara Amarle behonos yochichu. We know from the thumbs of the the Tara process of the Mitzora that that can prove to us exactly what the halacha should be because part of their body is in the mikdash. Shehin bia b'mikdash. That's a partial entrance into the into that holy space. And what do we see? Vitanya the Brisa writes lamed aleph lamed aleph five lines down. Vitanya mitzora tovil veomid b'shar nikanor. And we see that what does the Mitzorah have to do? He has to be tovel. Uh, he's not entering his whole body into the Mikdash. You're absolutely right. He's not entering his whole body into the Mikdash. But the reason why he has to be tovel is because it's a, it's a Biyah B'Mikdash. And Biyah B'Mikdash, it's Shema Biyah, even if part of the body is going to be entering into the Besa Mikdash, one would then be obligated to go to the Mikdash. Six, seven lines down. We learned already, based on a drasha, that a, a czar, a non-Kohen, is allowed to do shrita. So let's say you get a really long knife and you want to do shechita from standing in the Ezra Yisrael. Now the knife would have to be very long. The Mizbech is many, many, many dozens of amos away. It's very far. So would that work? There was a picture of a meme going around of a COVID bris and the mole was holding a broomstick with a scalpel at the end. So that was, that's the imagery. Cartoon, that, right? I, it was not a cartoon. It, it was a joke, but it wasn't a cartoon. It was an actual person holding a broomstick and at the end was a knife and then someone was holding a doll. They were pretending to do a bris, COVID, six feet apart. It's not funny. It's just something that people were setting around. But this is the actual Shiloh in regards to the Shechita knife. He would stand in a, in a space that's whole. He would stand in a space that is not holy. But his extension would not be with his hands. It would be with, uh, it would be with a long knife, a machete, very, very long knife. So what do we say? How, how do we answer this? So the Gemara says, this question needs to be asked in two ways. This needs to be asked according to the Shita of Ben Zoma who holds it going to the mikvah of Dindo Raisa, and Tiboy the Rabbanon de Pligia led Rabbi Yehuda. It also needs to be asked according to the dissenting opinion, the one that argues against Rabbi Yehuda. Tiboy the Ben Zoma, one third of the way down the Madalaf and the question is for, for Ben Zoma as follows. Maybe we would say, Ad Khan, Lo Ben Zoma, Maybe the only time that Ben Zoma holds that there's a Dindo Raisa to go to the mikvah 
is when you're actually entering inside. However, but if you're only standing outside, as you are in this case, holding a very long blade to do the shrita, lo, there he would not say that you need to go to the mikvah. There's no dindel raisa because it's only the gavay. The only time that he would hold that there's a mitzvah to go to the mikvah is if it's uh, if you're going into the room. That's one possibility. Odilma, or perhaps maybe Ben Zoma would have said in such a scenario that that maybe we're afraid that you would end up being drawn into the room. Right? That's a possibility. And because of that, we don't know the answer yet. This is all the question phase. And the question of our of our very long knife for Shrita was asked now according to Ben Zoma. Now let's flip over to one of his counterparts. Tibai, the question should also be asked according to the opinion that Rabban and the Pligela de Yehuda, the dissenting opinion that argues against Rabbi Yehuda. And what would be the question within the frame of their Shrita? Ad Khan Rabbanan Hasam, this opinion that argues with Rabbi Yehuda. And uh, there, maybe he's only lenient to look avid avoda. Maybe it's only lenient because he's not doing any part of the avoda. And that's why he was lenient. However, but here, because he's doing the shrita, uh, maybe we should say that we should not be lenient. And he should go to the mikvah because he's doing the avoda now. Or perhaps it should not make a difference. So two different languages uh, in regard, two different uh, pathways to understand the question. One according to Ben Zoma. And one according to the Rabbanan who argue with Rabbi Huda. And in both cases, the Gemara says, take, we don't know the answer to that question. So it's interesting. There's a lot of applications like that. You know, like, uh, let's say you're supposed to be in a shul for a minion. What does that mean? Can I put one arm in, right? What, what is considered to be in the room? So seemingly one arm is considered to be in the room. Okay, if we look at this Gemara about Mitzorah, it seems to be that way. But uh, if you're outside the room and you're just listening, so maybe that doesn't count. Okay. Halfway down, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph at the two dots. Uh, we learned in our Mishnah, Chamesh Tevilos Vasar Kiddushin Tobel. We said that uh, in our Mishnah that the Kohen Gadol will, will do five Tevilos on the day of Yom Kippur and he'll do Asar Kiddushin and he'll also do ten Kiddushin of Yadayim Viraglaim. Ten times he'll wash his hands. So this is not so Pasha. We'll see in the Gemara, this is not so simple. But right here, we have a logistical sugya to discuss first about where, uh, how tall this mikvah was off the ground that he went to. Tanu Rabban and the rabbis taught us. Rabbi Sadas as follows, This we know, all right? We quoted from our mission. He'll go to the mikvah five times and he'll ask to do 10 kiddush yadayim v'raglayim and he'll go to the mikvah that day. The kulim v'kodesh b'vesa parva. All of this was done in a holy section of the Besa Mikdash in a room called the Besa Parva. Chutz merishon Except for the first time that he'd go to the mikvah, which was outside of the holy space. This was the din that we were, we've been speaking about for the last blot. And that was Bechol al Gabe Shar Hamayim Haisa. That was next to the Shar Hamayim. It was next to a, a room, next to a doorway uh, called Shar Hamayim. And it was next to the Lishka where the Kohen Gadol lived. So Amar Abayev, I looks at this source in the Tanaim, he looks at this Brisa, and he says as follows two thirds of the way down, he says, Amar Shmamina, what can I learn from here? But well, we know that the mikvah was on the second floor, and we know that it was sourced by something called Ein Eitan, the spring of Eitan. So says the Gemara, Ein Eitan, the flow of the water that would lead into this mikvah must have been Gavoa Mikarka, Mikarka Azara, Esri Mishalosh Amos. It must be that the Ein Eitan was at least 23 Amos off of the ground. Urechava uh, Amos, right. It's not, how do we know? Because the Mishnah writes, Kol apsachem sham govhan esrim ama, urchavan eser amos chutz mishalulam. We know, of course, that the average door, doorway in the base of Mikdash was 20 amos tall by 10 amos wide, with one exception of the ulam, which had doubled those dimensions, a 40 amos tall doorway by 20 wide. But the doorways that we're talking about here were 20 tall. 
And we also know the Pasuk writes, Vitanya, the Brisa writes, that we know the minimum, uh, the min minimum square ama, cubic ama of, um, of a mikvah. We remember it's one by one by three. We've seen this before. Vitanya, the Brisa writes, for Achatz Bitsarova, my mikvah. He has to be in mikvah water. What does kol besaro mean? Mayim shekol gufa olebohem. It has to be a mikvah that's big enough to uh, consume the volume of the person. But kamahain, what is the cubic ama of this space? Ama al ama berum gimel amos. So three cubic amos is the amount of space which a person can fit into. So if what you're saying is that this mikvah is on the second floor, and if what you're saying is that the minimum cubic amos is one by one by three, length, width, and height. So that means the height is three, the, the doorway is 20. So that means the second floor has to start at least at 20 amos. So it's 20 amos off the ground, plus another three for the depth of the human being. So that means that the height of Ain Etam must have been at least 23 amos off the ground because that's to fill the mikvah, right? They're not using a pump system. We're just assuming this is gravity and therefore Ain Etam must be 23 amos off the, off the ground. And that brings us to the top of Lamed Aleph from base says the Gemara, that can't be right. You can't say that it's 23 uh, most tall. It has to be more. There's still space above the doorway before we get to the second floor. And as well, the Amma Ma'aziva. And as well, there was some space to build out the bottom of the mikvah. Mikvah has to be waterproof. It has to be able to hold water. So they had to build something. Couldn't be exactly 23 almost. It had to be higher than that. So maybe it should be a little bit higher, a little bit higher, says the Gemara, the, the Gemara, since they were made out of shayish, they were made out of marble. Marble is a very thin rock and relatively strong. Uh, it, wa it wasn't much more than 23. It was 23 in a mashu. So says the Gemara, okay, then talk about the mashu. Why, why are you ignoring it? It's not 23. In time had to be above 23 amos. So therefore, says the Gemara, you're right. But since it wasn't, in fact, a full ama, we're going to basically ignore it. We're just going to say it's 23. But really, you're right. You're correct. The Ain Etam, the water flow from this spring, was at least 23 plus amos off of the ground with a mashu. Four lines down, the Gemara, Lamed Aleph, and Bey said, Parsu Sadden Shel Boots, we said that there was a screen put up for Tzniyas, the Me'iri writes, and yesterday's Dr. Me'iri writes that this screen was put up for Tzniyas as the Kohen Gadol would be changing his garments. So they put up this um, this sheet, you know, I'm just thinking like a clothesline type of thing. You pin it up in a few places and there's this sheet of linen. So it says the Gemara Sadden Shel Boots, my Shna Shel Boots, who cares about the material? If the Me'iri is right and we're, all we're talking about is the Tzniyusa, we're just talking about modesty, so people shouldn't see him undressed. There's a din like that that if your rebbe's in the mikvah, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to see your rebbe in the mikvah. So uh, I see here in Chicago all the time, fathers and sons are there. I, I presume that there's a mechilas couple there. I don't know exactly what the halachic mechanics are, but with a rebbe, you're not supposed to see you're not supposed to see them undressed. So therefore, says the Gemara, Maishna Shalvuts. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if there's mechilas kavod if a uh, if, because some age, right? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm just wondering if a father can say I'm mochel on my cover. You can call me Phil. You know, like, how does that work? Like a melech is not allowed to be mochel on his cover. So how does it work with a father? I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm talking out loud. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So ask the, the Gemara, why, why were you being specific with the material? 
if the whole goal of the material is to separate the coin from everybody else so that no one sees anything, no one sees him changing, who cares that it's made out of linen? So it says the Gemara, because Amar of Kahana elsewhere, so that he would remember that this is Yom Kippur. This is the day of wearing linen. There were times when all he wore was linen gar- garments and none of the golden begadim uh, of the Kohen Gadol. So it's obviously a very unique day. So the linen was more of a trigger of a reminder that it's Yom Kippur than anything else. So Rav Kahana says that din uh, in its own space. Uh, we're going to see this a little bit later in the Masechta. But Hachanami, we would apply the same rule here that Sheyakir Shavod HaSem with Big Day Boots to remind him that today is a special day. Sometimes we're going to be wearing boots. We're going to be wearing linen. That brings us to a new Mishnah at the top of Lamed Aleph on the base, about seven, eight lines down. So uh, getting into more detail about the Avod HaSayom, the Kohen Gadol would go through the following process. Pasha, he would remove his regular clothes. Yorad v'tabav, he would go down into the mikvah. Alav and istapag, and he would come out of the mikvah and he would dry himself off. So some of the Meforshim highlight, why does the Mishnah have to say that he came out of the mikvah? Well, he's going to live there forever. Of course he's going to come out of the mikvah. So some of the Meforshim say that the Tahara process doesn't kick in until you're out of the water. Just dunking isn't sufficient. You have to get out of the water. That's why the Mishnah was dafka to add the words ve'ala. But if that's true, then what's v'nistapag? You have to dry yourself off too. So that's a shayla on the post can buy Natilas Yadayim. Let's say you wash Natilas Yadayim for bread and uh, you want to make the bracha, but your hands are totally dried. Are you too late? Are you not too late? So these are all shaylas that come up. But this the language here is pretty particular and it implies that it is not being in the water alone that makes a person tahor. There is the exiting from the water as well. So he would, uh, Pashat, he would remove his clothes. He would go down into the mikvah. He would be tovel. He would come out. He'd dry himself off. They would bring him golden, uh, the golden clothing and he would put them on. And then at that point, here's our first one, the kidesh yodav viragwa. He already went to the mikvah and uh, he's gone to the mikvah now twice, right when he got there. And now he's gone to the mikvah a second time. And now he's done the first round of kidush yodayim viragwaim. Then, then they bring the Kohen Gadol. They bring him to the Korban Tamid, Kartsu. He would make the first incision, but he wouldn't complete the Shrita because the Kohen Gadol was also going to do the Kabbalah and the Zerika. He was also going to be receiving the blood in the pitcher. And then he was going to be doing the Zerika and the Mizbech. So if you're cutting, it's very hard to do both. So he started the cut. And then, uh, says the Gemara, Mirik Acher, Shrita al Then another person actually completed the Shrita while he did the following, Kibbala Sadab Zarku. So then he received the blood properly from the cut itself. And then he did the Zerika Sadab. What was that, Michael? Kind of tricky. It's very, this is very nuanced. Yeah, it's very nuanced. And how much did he have to cut? It doesn't even say in the Gemara. It's a baton. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a baton. And these, uh, I mean, how big were these knives? I mean, it was a quick switch. It's also, it's certainly mutter, but I would, I would I'm like, we, one of the things that people talk about, about shrita, that we have ritual slaughter, is that it's one of the fastest ways for an animal to be killed and one of the least painful ways. Uh, the, the knives are so sharp that you, it, it's probably not as painful as one would have thought, and they're unconscious within two seconds. So I've been told, so I've been told by people who are involved in the shrita world, that the animals are, are, are aware of pain for two seconds. I don't know. That's what they said. But either way, here they did a little bit of a cut, another person took over, and then the Kohen Gadol got, did the Kabbalah Saddam and then did the Zerika Saddam. And then the next step, then he'd go into the Heichal, and he would be Maktir the Ktores. Remember we saw the discussion by the Tzdukim and the, and the Prushim, whether or not you put the Ktores on the coals and the shovel outside the Heichal and bring it in so that you're going with smoke. Or inside, we pask in Medina that it has to be inside the Heichal. You bring the coals inside, and then you put the Torahs uh, on top of it. So, Nichnas the Hakter Torah Shal Shachar, Lady Vesaneros, and he'd also clean out the uh, the candles. He'd also then 
um, be makar of the head of the animal and the rest of the limbs, and all the flowers and all of the all of the wines. And then uh, the Gemara, the Mishnah pivots a little bit and says, The When was it done in the process of the morning? It was done between the Zrikas Adam and the burning of the Evarim, as was indicated in the early parts of our Mishnah. However, it was a little different. It was the afternoon was a little bit different. Uh, and then the Gemara goes back to, a, a, go, not doesn't go back to, then the Gemara goes to a total side note. If he was an older person, or if he was an istinus, he was very sensitive about the temperatures of the water. Then they're allowed to warm up the warm up hot water and put it into the mikvah to just kind of take the chill out of the water. That's considered mutter. The mikvah we have here, you go uh, around, you go on prad. There's a hot mikvah and then there's a warm mikvah, but there's not a cold mikvah where, where a whole bunch of istinus is. I mean, I, I've been to the Arizal's mikvah, that is some cold water. So that's some serious, but huh? it's fresh, but you know what? It's really cold. So, yeah, very cold. It's not cold, but it's very cold. No, that, I mean, it's flowing. It's hard to tell, but it's pretty close. It feels like it. You can't breathe. It's like it's, uh, overwhelming. Either way, this Kohen was allowed to have the water, uh, you know, just a little bit warmed up. Middle of the page, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Beis, one more uh, sugya for the night. This will bring us to the top of Lamed Beis, Lamed Aleph, and then we'll stop. Says the Gemara, Amruha Rabbanan Kamedura Papa, Pa Dilo Ki Rav Meir. Our Mishnah cannot be like the opinion of Rav Meir. This is what the rabbis said to Rav Papa. We'll soon, soon see his retort. But this was what they were putting forward, that our Mishnah cannot be like Rav Meir. The Rav Meir, if our Mishnah was like Rav Meir, Kevan de Amar, he holds that there's more, there's more Kiddusha Daim Viraglaims than our Mishnah, because here he holds that there's two Kiddusha Daim Viraglaims, therefore Hachanami, he holds that elsewhere, but the Halacha would apply here too, then when he first gets dressed in the beginning of our Mishnah, what does our Mishnah say? Ours just says very simply that Pashad Yarad with Taval Alavid Stapag, and then after he's dressed, then but he has two there. So that means it can't be like our Mishnah. So it says, Rav Papa, you guys are incorrect. Amar Luhu, Rav Papa, they said, no. Bein Rabban and Bein Rav Meir, Chad Apshita de Bigde Kodesh, Bechad Alavisha. One, uh, they both agree that one is on the removal of the clothing of the Bigde Kodesh, and one is on the Lavisha, on the putting on of the new set of garments. So if that's true, then what's the machlokas? This is what the argument is. It's based on how we understand the psukim. So Rav Meir says, Rav Meir says, there is what to be equated between the world of pshita, removing clothing, and levisha, of putting on clothing. How does he understand this juxtaposition of words in the Pasuk? He says as follows, two-thirds of the way down, Lamed Aleph, from the base. Just like when getting dressed, just like after getting dressed, one does kiddush adayim v'raglayim, he's dressed, so, says Rav Meir, even the removal of clothes, but the rabbis don't agree with that. The rabbis look at the same words, but have a different drasha. I agree to what you're equating, I agree that these two things need to be Compared, they need to be put on the same playing field, but I don't agree with how you made your comparison. How do the Rabbanon see this juxtaposition of words? Says the Gemara, 10 lines from the bottom, just like when clothing 
with clothing, when are we? When do we do the kiddush daim Once you're fully dressed, afshita. Then even when you are disrobing, shehu lavush mekadesh. You have to wait till you put the clothes back on. So there's a machlokas or mer and rabbanan. Do we have kiddush daim v'raglaim in regards to pshita? So Amr le rabbanan le rabpapa umimot hisamr sachi. They said back to rabpapa that can't be. What you're saying in the name of Rav Meir can't be. You're saying that according to Rav Meir, that he has to do a, um, a Kiddush Adayim V'raglayim after removing clothes and another Kiddush Adayim V'raglayim after putting on clothes. So it says the Gemara, Tanya, the Brisa writes as follows. We know, of course, Parsu Sadin shall boots be no ha'af. They would put up a sheet, and we said before for Tznias, and as well, it was boots to remind him of Yom Kippur. And then, Pashad V'yard V'taval Allah V'nistafak. And then, that's the shita that we saw above. That's basically our Mishnah. However, in this b'risa, we have an added shita of Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir Omer, follow along. Pashat, the Kidesh Yada Viraglav, the Yorad, the Tavala Lavanistapa, Givila Big Deza, the Lavash, the Kidesh Yada Viraglav. So that's definitely not like our Mishnah. Because this Mishnah is explicit, black on white, that this Mishnah is a machlokas to the Tanakama. So it doesn't work at all. Amar Lui, Tanya, Tanya. Wow, okay. You've got a brisa. What can I do? Rapapa was shut down. You've got a brisa. You, you win this conversation. Says the Gemara, but I still don't understand. Bishlam the Rev Mayor. I understand the Rev Mayor because according to Rev Mayor, every time he changes his clothes, he does two, uh, he does two Kiddusha Daim Viraglines. But Kiddusha Yodaim Viraglines. does not work. So he said he does two, one by the Pshita, one by the Levisha. And that's how we get to the number 10. Remember, our Mishnah said that he did 10 Kiddusha Yadayim Viraglaim. That's how you get to 10. You're doing five dippings. Every time you take off your clothes, you do Kiddusha Yadayim Viraglaim. Every time you get dressed again, Kiddusha Yadayim Viraglaim. That's two. Five changes, five times two is 10. Perfect. But if you don't say that by the first Pshita, the first one, the first time he removes his clothes, that he's going to go to the mikvah, you're only left with nine. But our Mishnah says 10. It says the Gemara, you're right, that's correct. They still argue on that first pshita, on the first time he disrobes. Amre, lachra bonan, what they would say is kidusha basra. There is one extra kidusha daim braglaim at the end. Kipashit big day kodesh, lavish big day fall after the whole avoda. He's done now. And now he's putting on weekday clothes. He's putting on his regular suit, tie, whatever he would wear. Under those circumstances, he'd add in his 10th one right there. And therefore, even according to the Rabbanan, who do not say that by the first time he's poshed begadav that he has to go to the that he has to do kiddush adayim raglayim and therefore it sounds like he'd only have nine occurrences of kiddush adayim raglayim says the gemara once he's fully dressed again after the all of the avodas he'll do one extra one which Rav Meir clearly wouldn't agree to because any of them would be eleven so therefore the rabbanon say we uh, we get to the number ten by after being fully dressed in big day chol of uh, he would do the extra kiddush adayim raglayim there wishing you all a beautiful.